0: Uh, what I'd like to do is introduce a friend, um, and as I do that, would you please give a round of applause for our friend Moran Rosenblit? Moran, come on up. Uh, today we have doubled the Jewish population at Calvary Church. Isn't that great? Amen. I'm usually by myself, and I really appreciate that you're here. Um, We we met a few years ago in in Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee at a hotel, and uh, ever since then our lives have uh, we've been doing ministry together, and and so you are doing ministry with an organization called Hope for Israel, and what I love about my brother is that he has a heart to see the Jewish people, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, come to a saving knowledge and faith of who Jesus, Yeshua, their Messiah is. And so he uh, brings a word to us this morning, and so I want us to greet and enjoy and listen and receive this morning. So, would you join me as I pray for him, and we'll get into this? God, we are thankful. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you that in this place that you are the King, um, Lord. We are thankful for our friendship with different partners all across the world, and Lord, especially this morning that you've brought Moran here. Um, Lord, bless us and help us to receive, to open up our hearts to the message that
1: you've laid on his heart. We ask that in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Matt. Shalom everybody, good morning, morning. you know, there is something about the 1045 service worldwide. I say good morning at the 845 and I heard a loud good morning and here they're just still sleeping. Let's try again. Good morning everybody. Thank you. Okay. Now I know that you are awake. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning, and I'm going to embarrass my wife, Melissa, is here with me. Honey, can you wave to everybody? Come on. get Come on. Thank you. Pray for me because I'm in trouble. Thank you. Man, you understand what I said, right? I want to start by um, thanking you, thanking the leadership, and thanking all of you for your stands and your support with hope for Israel. It's truly a blessing to uh, come to a body of messiahs that understand God's call for Israel and understand God's place for Israel. And a body of Messiah brothers and sisters who are truly standing in support for us as a ministry also in Israel. Before coming on this trip, I prayed and, and I asked God, God, give me a message. Give me, You know what the people need. Give me a message for the people. And I believe that the message... That there is, is that it's time to return back to God. I'm very grateful for the reminder of Pastor Dave this morning, a reminder of where this great country that I love used to be. It's a reminder not just of where it used to be, but a reminder for all of us of where we want it to come back to. But in order for America to come back to God, we, men and women, followers of the one and only true God, ought to return to Him first. We need to come in repentance. We need to come to the place where God is becoming the center of our personal lives, of our family's lives, and of our church life. We get frustrated in a lot of places, and I know this may sound weird to you that I'm saying this here, but we get frustrated a lot of times because the Ten Commandments are not being allowed to be anywhere but on Facebook. That's the latest trend, by the way. Have you seen it, Matt? On Facebook, people put the Ten Commandments and said, this is our only right to continue to put Ten Commandments on Facebook. I kind of like it. But one of the reasons for it is that we have a kind of pushed the Ten Commandments and pushed God out of the center of our lives. And it's time to bring Him back. It's time to come back to God's Word and make our stance with accordance to God's Word. It's a responsibility of each one of us to study God's Word and to know God's Word. I've encouraged your senior pastors today, To do something. I've encouraged him to come one morning and to give you 20 minutes of false teachings that will sound absolutely right with accordance to the Word of God. And then to give you another 15 minutes of the truth. And it's not because I'm trying to be bad, but it's because I want to encourage each one of us to be students of the Word of God. Whoever is called to teach, like Pastor Dave, like Pastor Matt, they will have to give an account of themselves for what they are saying and what they are teaching. But each one of us here will have to give an account of himself for the decisions that we are making and for what we are standing for as well. We can't count just on the teachers to come here and the pastors to come and teach. And then we will be able, on judgment then, to say to God, but, but Pastor Dave only speaks the truth. Pastor Matt <laughs> said so. We have to know the truth. We have to be students of the Word of God. So I want to encourage all of us to become students of the Word of God. And one of the purposes of today's message is to encourage us, hopefully, to want to learn more. To see the richness in the Word of God. Because when we see the richness and when we have full assurance of who God is, then we walk in faith then we have no doubt that what we believe in is not just because it sounds good, but because it's the truth. Many well-meaning people say, well, we believe in Yeshua, we believe in Jesus. What do you believe about Him? Well, we believe that He's the fulfillment of prophecies. How do you know that He's the fulfillment of prophecies if we have never read the the prophecies? How do we know that it is a fulfillment if we have never read that there need to be a fulfillment? We get very nervous nowadays with the things that are happening around us. And that is because we don't take the time to study the Word of God. Now, when we study the Word of God and when we become students of the Word of God, there is something that I want to encourage each one of us. As we do it is to ask questions it's okay to ask questions it's even okay, and I hope I will not be stoned right now. you know I'm from Jerusalem, so over there, false teaching you know but it's even okay to doubt things as long as it brings us closer to God as long it will cause us to come closer to a desire, to have a greater desire to read the word of God for ourselves. For me, there is a very special place in Israel. A place that I hope one day Pastor Dave, Pastor Matt, Pastor Eric will remember to come back to now they are on a little bit of a detour going to Turkey but it's time to come back to Israel Okay, I said it (laughs) but it's called Kfar Nachum now since you know in heaven we're all going to speak Hebrew let me teach you two Hebrew words can you say Kfar? come on everybody can you say Kfar? without an accent please Thank you. Kfar Nachum. Wonderful. Kfar Nachum is also known as Capernaum. And I love this place. It's a place that I had some great challenges, but it's it's a place that I had some great discoveries about the Word of God. But at that place I also had some questions to God. Capernaum is known as a place where Jesus has begun his ministry on earth. It's a place that from there he, he went and declared the importance of repenting and coming back to God. And I had to ask God, God, why Capernaum is that place that you started your ministry. If you are God, if you are the promised Messiah, in my mind it will make more sense that you will start your ministry in your city, Jerusalem. For me it makes more sense at least. So I had to go to the Word of God and I had some amazing discovery. and And a little bit of background before we go into the actual message from Matthew 4 Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11 there is an amazing description of a test of temptation that our messiah went through it was during a 40 day of fasting that the enemy took him and gave him some temptation Now, I want to encourage you, when you read the Bible, there are certain numbers that are very consistent and they make sense when we start to apply them and we need to pay attention to those numbers, such as the number 40. The number 40 will always represent a time of transition. 40 days of the flood, time of transition. 40 years in the desert, time of transition. 40 days of testing, a time of transition into the beginning of the ministry. Matthew 4, verse 12 says, Now when he heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And to those who were sitting in the land of and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Yeshua, Jesus, began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at end. Brothers and sisters, the reason why our Messiah needed to start his ministry in that place, in Galilee, was to fulfill what the prophet of Isaiah wrote that is going to take place in that place and what's going to be the role of the Messiah and where the Messiah needs to start is ministry. But another thing I want to encourage us is, is that we read this in the New Covenant but it's good to go to what some consider as the old covenant, I consider it as scriptures. It's not old. So many of the future is written in that part of the Bible. So it's important to read that part of the Bible. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to open to Isaiah chapter 9. Because that's where the quote is coming from. Let's wait with uh, Isaiah 9, eight for a minute. Thank you. It starts with the words, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. What does it mean? It means that somebody needs to come to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, in that region, right in the center, there is a place called Kfar Nachum. Remember Kfar Nachum? Yes? A few minutes ago? What I didn't tell you is the meaning of the words Kfar Nachum. Kfar is a village... And Nachum is the comforter or the comforter. The name for that place were given, was given by Jewish men who were not believers yet. They called that place Kfar Nachum, the village of the Comforter, because they knew that from that place the Comforter, the one who's supposed to bring comfort to Zion, will come from. And that place is right there in the center where the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. That place is by the way of the sea. And and this picture, by the way, behind me, I have a problem looking at it because there is this horrible-looking guy on the screen, and it's really annoying me that I see myself. But that picture is by... The Galilee, by the way of the sea. You see the sea on the way, on the other side of the Jordan. Across from here, where the mountains are, it's where Jordan is. Galilee of the Gentiles, which was the name that was given to that region. But then it goes on to describe something about that man. First, it describes that those who are walking in darkness. Now, the word darkness here means slavery, slavery to sin. Those who are walking in their own wrongdoing, in the darkness, who don't have hope. Those people who are enslaved to sin, it says that they will see a great light. That those who sit in the land that reflects the shadow of death, a light will touch them. So it's pretty amazing that that person that should come into that region, into that village of the Comforter, is described as somebody that will also bring a great light for those who are in slavery for darkness by the way you can continue to read in your English Bibles I'm uh, now giving a very literal translation from the Hebrew Bible if you don't mind it speaks about that that person that there will be a great joy as the joy of harvest out of that person the first fruit The one that we are rejoicing. Now farmers, when they see that that when it's time for the harvest, they're always rejoicing with the harvest, with the first fruit. It's the best harvest. So that person is not just bringing the light, but that would be the first joy, the first person that we will be rejoicing over. And he will bring a great harvest. That person, there will be a yoke of his suffering upon his shoulders. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. He said, there, Take my yoke. It's the same yoke, the same words that are described there. Then later on, it goes into, I believe it's verse 5 in your Bibles, in my uh, Bible, it's verse 4, to describe something very special. It describes here that that person will also bring a victory. Victory over a very special war that will take place. The war of holiness. So that person that will bring the light to the people who are in slavery for darkness, he will also bring a great victory in that war of holiness. He will put an end to sin. He will bring a victory to sin. And then that person is described as unto us a child is born. A son was given to us. So that person is, is described as a child, as a son that will be given to us. And he will have the responsibility, that great responsibility to bring on his shoulders the deliverance. And that person will also have a name. The first part of his name, in your Bible it says Wonderful Counselor, but the first part of his name is Wonderful. There needs to be a comma between the Wonderful and Counselor. Is wonderful, miraculous. His second name will be Counselor. He's also going to be our Counselor. Mighty God, or a God that is a hero, Everlasting Father. He will also be the one that will bring the peace because he will be the ultimate prince of peace. Now, these things are very unique because where I'm coming from and where this other Jew boy is coming from (laughs) and our people have a problem with the deity of the Messiah. They will say, well, the Messiah will not be God but here the description clearly said that his name will be everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. Which is pretty amazing, the description of that person that needed to come out of that region. brothers and sisters, let me just suggest that if Yeshua, Jesus, is not the promised Messiah we may as well go home and join the after parties of July 4th right now. Because there is none. He needed to come to a very specific place in a very specific time to fulfill a very specific role. It says again that the responsibility the duty, his job will be great and there is no end for his peace you can have full assurance that if you put your trust in him there is no end to the peace that you should have with him everlasting it also speaks that it will be no end that peace on the seats of David. And when it refers to the seats of David, it always refers to Judgment Day. He will be our judge. My brothers and sisters, people don't like to talk about Judgment Day, but there comes a time when each one of us will have to give an account of ourselves to Him. And I want to suggest and encourage each one of us to live our lives daily in a way that we will be ready for that day because we will have to give an account. And the only way to have that everlasting peace that I talked about is by knowing Him. He will prepare the kingdom for a meal, and in judge, and in righteousness. It will be from now and forevermore. From that time that he will come to that place, and forevermore. No, there is no end to that time. There is no time limit for his kingdom. And the jealousy or the jealousy of the Lord of hosts will do that. Our God is a jealous God. Our God cares about each one of us and everything that we do. And when we do things that are not honoring to him, he's getting very jealous. Everything that is in the word of God will come true. And the jealousy of God is desire to prove to everybody that he is the one and only true God will do that now you can put that verse then comes verse 8 in verse 8 I I must say um, frustrates me a little bit because of the mistranslation here in English in your Bibles it says the Lord sends a message against Jacob and it will fall on Israel or it falls on Israel. But in Hebrew it says something else. It says, Davar donai Beyakov Israel. Makes no sense to you what I just said. <laughs> Let me translate. A word. Even that word is being mistranslated. Here it says a message. But the word in Hebrew actually says Davar, which is a word. God will send in Israel or to Israel, not against Israel, and it falls in Israel. Now, why am I saying that it's so important, and the translation here is not being right? Is that when one read against Jacob, then people come into that horror and heresy? of theology, that God has replaced Israel, that God is done with Israel and chose another child. It's not against Israel, it's in Israel. God still has a plan for Israel. God will always have a plan for Israel. Because if God is done with Israel, again, we may go home and do whatever we want. Which means that He's not faithful. But that word that is he said here, a word God sent in Israel, is the same word that later on described in this way. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that Come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Again, it's pretty fascinating. When you read the new covenant in light of the rest of the scriptures, it becomes the life. Suddenly you see that what was written in Matthew and what was written in John, it's all fulfillment of prophecy. And when we understand it again, we understand that the one that we believe in is not just based on feelings, but on truth. Feelings will fool us. The truth will set us free. It's important to stand with accordance of the truth. And it's important to know that the one that we believe in is the promised Messiah. And He is the one and only true God. There is none other. He is the living Word that lives inside us. And every word in Scripture is there for a purpose and for a reason. Then, I continue to read the Bible and I have a new que- I had an- another question for God Okay, so why did you start their fulfillment of prophecy but then when you get to Matthew four eighteen, you read and walking by the sea of Galilee saw the, br- the two brothers Simon was called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men and they immediately left the nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their fathers, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. And I had to stop here and, and ask that question Why would they leave everything and followed him? A stranger is coming and say, Hey, leave everything you know. Leave your livelihood, your income, leave your father and follow me. Would you do that? If some stranger now comes to anyone here and says, Hey, leave everything you know. I want you to follow me. How are we going to do that? Well, brothers and sisters, there is a reason why they did that. Those disciples of the Messiah were very educated people. Sadly, a lot of people look down at them and say, Oh, because they were from, the, from Galilee... They were not so wise and not so educated. And that's why really the Messiah went over there. And the people that look down at the people from Galilee are the people who live in New York. They look down at the people who live in California, right? But it's a very similar idea. Those people who look down at the people from Galilee who thought that they were not wise are people who live in Jerusalem. The snobs, the ones that thinks that they know everything and got it together. So they will look down at the people in Galilee. But those disciples were very special men, very educated men, that from a young age would go to a synagogue that was right in the center of that place called Kfar A synagogue is a house of gathering, the gathering for worshiping God and studying His Word. And if you don't believe me that the synagogue is there, again, Pastor Dave, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Eric will hopefully one day return to Israel and take you to see that synagogue. Amen? Thank you. Okay, I'm done with that. So from a young age, they would go to the synagogue. They would study the Word of God. They knew the Word of God, and they knew what the Word of God is saying. They knew what is written in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And it's so important to know that the name of this book is the book of beginnings because I believe that the book of Genesis sets the foundation for the rest of the Word of God. If you really want to know what is written even in, G- in Revelation, you ought to know the first book of the Bible. Now again, there is a mistranslation sadly in English and if you have your Bibles open to Genesis 48 verses 15 and 16 and if anyone has the translation that I'm about to literally translate from Hebrew please let me know later on. I would love to know which one it is. Genesis 48 verses 15 and 16 said and he blessed Joseph and said the God... Before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has shepherd, who have been my shepherd all my life to this day. This is really Jacob blessing Joseph's sons. He said, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and may my name live in them, and the names of my father Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, in Hebrew, it says something slightly different. In verse 16, it says, The angel who redeems me from all evil, bless the boys, and will call in them my name and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. But then it says, But bekerav it which means, and may they greatly fish amongst the earth. Or be fishermen amongst the earth. My well, brothers and sisters, let me just suggest that the disciples knew that somebody needs to come to that region. And that somebody will use the term fisherman. And when that person is coming, they are to trust him and to follow him. Jeremiah 16:16 16, 16 says, "Behold, I am going to send for many fishermen," declares the Lord, "and they will fish for them. And afterwards I shall send for many hunters, and they will hunt for them from every mountain and every hill, and from the clefts of the rocks." So the disciples knew that whenever somebody come and use the term fisherman is a trustworthy person, is a person that is coming and is the only person that will come and will be their Messiah, which they were waiting for. Let me give you an example. If I come now to Pastor Dave and I tell him, Pastor Dave, somebody is going to come to you today and he's going to tell you, Pastor Dave, you're an awesome, amazing teacher of the Word of God. And the person that tells you that is somebody that you can trust and follow afterward. When he's going outside, he's going to take you to receive something very special. Now, if Pastor Dave, somebody come and say, follow me, he's not going to follow because he's not, he knows not to trust. He knows exactly what the person ought to say. So when the person comes and say, now hopefully I remember exactly what I said, Pastor Dave, you're an awesome teacher of the Word of God. He is now, he can trust Him and follow Him. The disciples knew the Word of God. They knew that they can trust Him. Matthew 24. When the disciples came to the Messiah, and ask him to know what will be the sign of times. When will be the end of the age? The first thing he told them, not about the wars and the rumors of wars and the earthquakes and that all the nations will gather against Jerusalem and all those great things that are happening today. He said, be aware that you are not being misled. Because many Will come on that day and will say, I am He. Be aware that you are not going to be misled. Which means what is said in different words, simple words for us to understand make sure that you know me. Make sure that you know that you know that you know me and who I am. And my brothers and sisters, we are living in times where I believe we're going to start to see false messiah. And those false messiahs are going to deceive many. And they will deceive many because many today in the body of messiah, many in the church, simply will not know to recognize him because they've never read who about him and who he is. Do you know Do you know? Do I know? If you have any doubts right now with that question, I want to exhort you not to waste your time and make a decision today. Come to one of the pastors and say, "I (coughs) will." Excuse me. The enemy doesn't want somebody to listen. I mean it sincerely. Come to one of the pastors today and tell him, I want to know. Be students of the Word of God. Make sure that you know the Word of God for yourself. Make sure that you are ready for the times which are coming near. Lord, we come before you and we praise you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace. We thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this great place that is called the United States of America. Lord, I thank you that it was here in this place that I found you. I thank you for the freedom that we have here to worship you. I ask You, Lord, that we will not take this freedom, Your grace, in vain. Lord, I pray that if anyone here is yet to know You, that they will make a decision today. And I hope and pray, Lord, that You will create and bring a great desire within our hearts to know You, to know Your Word. To be from the people that will be with you until the very end. Or to be with the people that will be with you from the beginning. Be glorified, Lord, in and through our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.